Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to Speak On It, History and Genealogy Conversations with Janice and Sherikana. We invite you to join us on Thursdays at 8 p.m. for an engaging exchange with us and our special guest as we cover various topics regarding history, genealogy, and your personal family history stories. Hello, I'm Janice Gilliard. And I'm Sharakana Feliciano. Welcome to Speak On It, History and Genealogy Conversations with Janice and Sharakana. Thank you for joining us. And don't forget to find us on Facebook and Twitter. Today, we are joined by our guests, Akosla Moore and Kimberly Morgan. Kimberly and Morgan is a professional and genetic genealogist specializing in African-American research and DNA analysis. Ms. Morgan has worked with several clients to include the U.S. Army's Past Conflict Repatriations excuse me, Branch, the Smithsonian Channel, and the International African American Museum. Presently, Ms. Morgan is a lead genealogist for the PBS series, Finding Your Roots, hosted by Dr. Henry Louis Gates, Jr. She is married to a U.S. Marine Corps veteran and mother to one child. Akosua Moore was born and raised in Harlem, New York, and currently lives in Georgia with her daughters. She received her Bachelor of Science in Mathematics at Clark Atlanta University and her Master of Arts in Math Education at City College of New York. Akosua loves researching her family history and has continued her work with other African-American genealogy projects and families in the Lowcountry and beyond. Ms. Moore is the owner of the Kinseeker LLC and provides contractual genealogy services to the U.S. Army Past Conflict Repatriations Branch. In 2015, she had the opportunity to do contractual genealogy on a special project for the producers of Finding Your Roots with Henry Louis Gates, Jr., and now currently works as an associate genealogy for the PBS series. Welcome to Speak On It, Akosua and Kimberly. Good evening. Thank, Thank you, you for having so us. Much. Thank you for having us. It's a pleasure. We are so, so glad you were able to join so us. Yes, yeah, so excited to have you ladies join us tonight, and uh, we're going to get started with our questions, and um, just so excited in terms of what a phenomenal story, um, history that the two of you have, and our connection is just unbelievable. So our first question for tonight is, can each of you share with us what was the spark that got you interested or curious in doing genealogy and your family history research? Um, Kim, you want to start? Sure. Uh, this is so for me, for Kimberly. Um, I originally was asked to do a school project. I think I was in the fifth or the sixth grade, and I interviewed my mother's parents, my maternal grandparents, and it was the first time I'd ever actually spoken to them. And this is, may sound silly, but that I realized that they were human beings that had had lives you know, before <laughs> they were my grandparents. And I remember my grandfather told me at the time, it, they seemed like crazy stories. Um, his, he, his entire, my grandfather's entire family had been in a, a hospital or a sanatorium, as he described it. And they all were ill with the same disease, and they all died except him. He was the only survivor. Mm-hmm. He was 16 years old. And he had carried this guilt with him for years. And that 
story just had a tremendous impact on me. And um, I was always curious as to what exactly the disease was and, and where were they um, in the hospital. But I just kind of put it to the side. Life happens. Um, right. And then in 2004, when I was in my 20s, I literally stumbled across the tombstone in the woods. And that tombstone in 2004 is really what sparked my journey. And we will definitely be getting to that. Anna Cosby, right. how about you? <laughs> um, I, I, I was um, part of an organization called Sojourner Truth Rights, um, Sojourner Truth Adolescence Rights Society, and um, with a group of um, uh, friends, and we were getting ready to um, be participants in a rites of passage. And one of the assignments for us was to interview um, our elders in the family and create a family tree. And so um, I did not have any living grandfathers, but I did both of my grandmothers, maternal and paternal, were living. And I interviewed them and created a family tree. And part of that family tree ended up in our keepsake book Um as we went along and continued on with our classes and preparing for the rites of passage. And then, um, you know, years, this was when I was um, 14 years old. And so now um, time has passed on and things have changed. And, you know, over the years, you know, gathering around with family, we've, um, you know, me and my cousins and, you know, uh, we've always heard stories and listened to our parents and, you know, our aunts and uncles and talk about, you know, just people in the family. And we were all very, very close to our grandmother. Her name is Rosalie Deacle Smith. We called her Mima. And we listened to her stories also. And although we were young, you know, and we, we were probably looking and seeming very uninterested, a lot of those things stuck with us. And so, the story that she, the stories that she told when it was time for me to prepare um, my family tree, and then combined with um, years later while I was pregnant, um, Ancestry.com becoming uh, available to us, I used that exact family tree and those stories to begin my research um, into our family history. And from that very moment, literally, of putting um, a couple of names into Ancestry.com, it, it turned into a whirlwind of um, just emotion because the stories were that my grandmother told were coming to life. Um, wow. And so mm. ever since then, um, I have been, you know, part of this, you know, this amazing, amazing journey. Yes, it yes. is an amazing and journey. I example. wish I. You said you were 14 years old when you started. I would have given anything to to be able to go back because I didn't start until I was like in my my 30s. So to capture mm-hmm. all of that at 14 and to be mm-hmm. able to put that into a program is just so powerful. And like you said, it is almost like a book that comes alive to you once you start this work. So I, you know, I applaud exactly. you for doing that, both of you, for starting so early and uh, and then looking at. Uh, the journey, your, how your journey has progressed so far. So anyway, I won't get stuck on that, but man, 14 <laughs> years old, I, w- I would trade that at a heartbeat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I was going to say these are two perfect examples of like why it's so important for, you know, the kids to try to talk to kids or engage them in family history research, because you never know, you know, where 
our conversations can lead. So you two are connected. Um, this is a really, really cool story. Um, through family research, but specifically through research of a man named Stephen Binyard, um, who is an ancestor of Akosuas. So for Kimberly, you mentioned this briefly um, about stumbling upon the tombstones. So this started for with you with a long walk from a parked car. Uh, so part one of that is can you tell us about what happened and how you got started on that research journey? Sure. Uh, in 2004, I was dating a gentleman who was in the military, and he lived um, on a military base, a federal property. And when I would go uh, over to meet him, I would park my car um, in a parking lot, and I had to walk past a densely wooded area to get to the door of his apartment, um, his dormitory. And, and I would knock on the door, but I had to walk past this, these woods first. And you couldn't even see, you know, a foot or two feet into the woods. It was very thick, very dense. And every time I walked by, the woods would be to my right. I always felt like people were watching me. It was a very mm. intense feeling. It wasn't negative. It wasn't scary. It was just very intense. Right. And I remember at one point I would put my hand up to the side of my face so I couldn't see the woods out of my peripheral vision because the feeling was so intense. And I mentioned this to my then boyfriend at the time, and he basically said, you're crazy. There's nothing in the woods <laughs> watching you. You know, there's no reason to be scared of the woods. Um he said, you know, we're going to, the next day, we, he took a machete, and he's like, I'm going to show you that there's nothing back here. So we went back in the woods with, you know, our snake boots on and this machete, and maybe 100 yards into the tree line, as he's hacking away into the woods, we come across a tombstone, and it's a solitary tombstone it's by itself. It's old, it's dirty, it's covered with, you know, moss and fungus. But I recognized it as um, a tombstone that had been provided by the United States government for a military veteran. Um, my father mm. was in the military. I live in a town that has a national cemetery. And tombstones that are provided for military veterans have a distinct look to them. And this was one of those stones. And the name said Stephen Binyard, USCT. And having grown up in a, in a military a lifestyle and being a history buff, I knew that USCT meant United States Colored Troops. So I realized I was looking at the the tombstone or the grave of a black man that had served in the Civil wow. War for the Union Army. And I just immediately was hooked. Mm, like, mm, mm. I have to know everything I can about this person and why he is buried by himself, it looked like, right. in these woods on what is now a military base behind um, barracks or dormitories for um, military officers. So that's, that's where it began for me. That was summer of 2004. Okay. So then summer of 2004, you find the headstone. So then part two, Okosa, what did you know before meeting Kimberly? What did you know about Stephen Vineyard? Um, well, my deep dive back into the research was in 2007. And so that was really when I even became familiar with um, USCT, just basically mm. doing the research and building the tree on ancestry. I actually never heard the official name of the African-American soldiers that fought in the um, Civil War. And, you know, I never really knew what that official name was. It just wasn't something that it was, uh, we were taught. So when I started to realize that there were several, peop several men 
in my family tree who were U- United States Colored Troop soldiers, um, I also learned at the same time that some of them had pension files mm-hmm. and um, some of them had widows. And when I realized that this was a thing and that these pension files were real and that they were housed at the um, National Archives in Washington, D.C., I was absolutely amazed. Researching that, you you, re- you find out that that is something that you can actually um, um, request and, you know, pay for them to send you those files. But literally a, a free workshop came up um, that was being held at NARA, and I mm-hmm. decided, I was in New York at the time, and I decided to, um, sign up for that workshop, and I already knew I was about to cheat. I knew that that was just an opportunity for me to get inside of NARA and request those files. And right. so I, I, <laughs> I went to a couple of workshops. It was an absolutely wonderful, wonderful workshop. Um, and I took my time at my break to request the files, knowing that it was going to take about two hours for them to um, bring them up to the research room. And when I when I got them, you know, at the research room a few hours later, I was absolutely amazed, and I never returned back downstairs wow. to the to the workshop. It was the it was the wow. pension and widow's pension for Stephen Binyard, and it was extremely emotional. And I made copies of over a hundred pages of paper that were the actual original pieces of paper that someone had written on through dictation from my family members. And so even now I get the chills because it was a very, very um, emotional, happy, difficult, mad, you know, sad, yeah. you know, um, right. emotions. Yeah. Yes. At, um, at that time, and that's how I became familiar with um, Stephen Binyard. And I actually carried those files. I mean, I was a teacher in New York at the time, and I, I never let go of that, that yellow manila folder with those 11 by 14 sheets of paper. I it carried made them it feel like they were actually with you, that you were literally carrying them with every you. Single day. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so how did you two end up connecting? Well, this is Kimberly. Um, um, yeah, okay, go ahead. Do you want me to? <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so, Akosawa had been, you know, I, so after I stumbled across this uh, Stephen's tombstone in the summer of 2004, I didn't really know how to do genealogical research. Um, I just remember my high I had a wonderful high school history teacher, Judy Copeland. She's still alive. Thank you, Miss Copeland. She <laughs> research, and I remember her saying, just go to the library. The librarians, you know, the librarians will help you. So I went to the local library, and the first thing that the librarians helped me find was um, Stephen's obituary. And there had been a little obituary in the local paper saying that a, a man named Stephen Vineyard had drowned in December of 1882. And as soon as wow. I saw that he drowned, it like further, I mean, I was already invested in this, but it further sunk me in. I wanted to know everything about him. How did he drown? How did he end up buried where he was, et cetera. So I just started teaching myself how to do research. It was a lot of trial and error, a lot of just knocking on doors, um, sitting right. in court, you know, um, courthouses, sitting on the floor of the deeds room, just 
trying to figure out how to read a deed, sitting in a probate court trying to figure out what these records mean in probate, knocking on people's doors going, do you know this Binyard name? I was trying to find a living descendant of Stephen Binyard's, and it just didn't seem like it was going to happen. And Akosua mentioned she carried that manila folder of um, Stephen's um, wife, Jane, her widow's pension around with her. I had this sad mm-hmm. little black binder. It was like duct tape together, full of everything that I was gathering. And a lot of it was not even really relevant material. I I didn't even know what was pertinent at that point or what wasn't. I just kept everything. And I would drag it to work with me. And at the time, I was a 911 dispatcher, and I was working overnight. And my partner, Norma, remembers me dragging that binder in there, just sitting there reading it, just hoping, like, something would pop out. Like, some kind of clue would just show up, and I would... You know, I'd see something I hadn't seen before. This went on for about a decade. Um, I got married in the meantime, not to the boyfriend that went to the woods. (laughs) We got married, um, moved to Japan, came back. And when I came back to the States in 2013, I picked up the research again. And my husband was deployed to Iraq, and I was alone, and I couldn't sleep one night. So I started looking online again um, for more information for Stephen Binyard, and I was on Ancestry.com, and I noticed that I had not checked the message boards on Ancestry.com in a long time. So I looked again, and I saw a message from somebody who their username on Ancestry was ACOS, A-K-O-S, and there was no, like, picture with it. So I couldn't tell if it was a man or a woman. But this person had posted a message, like, in 2007 saying, I'm looking for information of Stephen, about Stephen Vineyard of Beaufort, South Carolina. Um, wow. My great-great-grandmother, Dorcas, was his sister. Um, you know, and she's, this person was describing the Stephen Vineyard, whose grave that I had found. Or I was pretty sure she was or they were, and they also right. had a, a private tree on Ancestry that included Stephen Vineyard, and I couldn't access that tree, of course, because it was private. So I sent this person a message, and I was like, hey, this is going to sound crazy. Um, explain how I found this grave and started doing this research, and I, and I thought maybe that the Stephen Vineyard I had been researching was the same person she was looking for information on, that he was the brother of her great-great-grandmother. And I gave her my gave them my phone number, um, and I honestly did not think I would hear anything back. It had been so long. I sent that message in December 2013. That message <laughs> had been posted on the message board in 2007. So wow! Um, but within mm-hmm. a few weeks, within a few hours, I think I got a response from a But mm-hmm. what was that feeling mm-hmm. like, though? What was it like? Oh my God, is this really happening? Or you know, what was yeah. in your mind? Found, that I was had found somebody that was researching him. I was yes. really excited, but I was also trying not to get my hopes up because it had been so long since that message had been put on the message board. And I right. almost didn't even want to hope that this person would have any clue who I was talking about, what I was talking about. Also, you know, a lot of people along the way, when I would go to the library or the courthouse or whatever, I'm a white woman, and um, <laughs> I would go in and say, you know, I'm researching this man who was in the color troops, and they would just look at me like I was crazy. I had a <laughs> reputation as the crazy cemetery lady, you know. It was like, so I didn't know how this, this person might perceive what I was doing, 
you know, what, what mm-hmm. my intentions were. But I was very excited. I was hoping it would turn out to be positive. Mm-hmm. And it was, what was your did. reaction? Yeah. Where were you um, in all of this I, now? I actually was um, get, uh, my mother, our family celebrates um, Kwanzaa um, ever mm-hmm. since I was, you know, pretty much born. And my mother does a um, breakfast. We call it the Imani breakfast on the last day of Kwanzaa. And after we have that celebration, um, because there's so many people here, we host, you know, we were hosting, you know, 35 to 50 people in one house and cleaning up. And literally I was at my mother's house and I, you know, taking a break in her office and both of us were sitting in the office and I just happened to get on her computer and go on to Ancestry. I mean, literally, it was probably like January the 3rd or 4th or something like that of 2015. And I went on Ancestry, and I saw I had messages. And I started to read the message to myself, and then I just couldn't believe what I was reading. I could not believe it. And I said, I looked over to my uh-huh. mom, and I was like, Ma, you have got to hear this. And I started reading these messages. And because it was actually ended up being three messages. Um, and Kim described, you know, that she was, you know, she, she had insomnia. She just, you know, she was just really um, pouring out her experience, you know, um, right. and how she came upon, you know, her information. And everything she, you know, was saying was like, this is my Stephen. This is my Stephen. This is my, I could not believe wow. it. And my mother sat in her office and we were in tears because. That's what I was going to ask you. Did uh, you cry? How, like, did it have an emotional oh, impact on you? Yes. Yes. <laughs> a serious one, a serious emotional impact because it just, um, it was almost like a gift. My grandmother had passed away already and it was just like a gift from her, you know, like, yeah. You here, here, this is where it's going to, you know, this is where it starts. And it was like she was proving to us that, you know, we have a, you know, we have history. And, you know, I, I, I just could not believe it. And, you know, I, I went to work and I was extremely excited. And I'm telling my coworkers, oh, my God, this woman, you know, contacted me. And I have to call her back, you know, because, you know, she has been researching, you know, my family member and, I was so excited, and I literally, and I knew that Kim reading, I just said to myself, she's not an African-American woman. This is a white woman. And it did not, it wasn't me saying that in a way where I was like, you know, how dare she? It was like, wow, this is interesting. This person dedicated their their time and their, their space and their money into this. And it was extremely spiritual. And, you know, she has no, you know, blood connection to, to my people, but she put, her, she put her heart in it. And that was what mattered. That was what mattered to me, and that was what mattered to my mother when, she was re- when we were reading these messages from Kim. And so um, from that very moment, you know, Kim invited us to. a spiritual to, connection. Was, you know, I always say that. Yeah, that God and our ancestors, it doesn't matter. God will use, God and our ancestors will use whatever methods are, I always like to say, by any means necessary to connect us when we're passionate mm. 
um, when we can't just like, you know, like having the insomnia, you can't rest or you can't let go. I always just say there's a calling, like it's a calling, it's a, it's a special anointing that we're supposed to do it. Um, And so it doesn't matter, you know, however it's going to happen, it is going to happen if we're open and willing. And so the connections are just so powerful and listening to the two of you and how everything just came together. It just blows my mind. And the first time I heard about it, I was like, what a phenomenal experience. I don't even, to me, the story belittles it. What a phenomenal experience to have. Yeah. And I do feel that our ancestors and God looks down and says, here's your gift. <laughs> the gift that keeps on giving, yeah. here's your gift. <laughs> yeah. We're definitely guided. Everything we, every time something happens, every time something great happens within many great things have happened since that very moment. Many great things. We have said, we have mm-hmm. def- definitely you know, um, we um, thank the ancestors for this. Because, and we ask them and we talk to them. We know how to speak to them and ask them for what it is that we want, you know, out of this. And we have gotten so much. That is just amazing. Just an amazing story. And so how did you actually, the two of you, meet, like, the first time? Oh, so immediately after I responded <laughs> to Kimberly's messages, Kimberly invited us down to Buford. I, you know, I live in um, Georgia in an area called Smellville, and she invited us down to Buford, and um, we to my um, house, like what? to my house, to her house, right, to her house. Like, stay and in so, the house. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so we said, you know, I said, oh well, I have some days off during the Martin Luther King, you know, weekend or whatever, and she was like, that's when you need to come down, and we literally. Me and my mom and my, my children, all three of my children, we drove to Buford, you know, three and a half, four hours. And um, my mother dropped us off, dropped me off at Kim's house, and then her and the kids went to my cousin <laughs> Elaine's house, you know, that's not too far right nice. there in Fort Royal. And we literally, me and Kim, I mean, I came in her house not even, you know, I don't know this woman from a can of paint. And yeah. I had my bag, yeah. my luggage, <laughs> and all of my research materials. <laughs> and we were right, right there at mm-hmm. her table. <laughs> It was just yeah. as soon as she walked so through the door. That's how we yeah. On the phone with the coastal, it was like I had known her my entire life. And I just knew. Wow. I just knew. So, you know, that's why I felt comfortable inviting her to come to my home. And when she walked in the door, it was just like, like I said, like I had known her. And she pulled out this black research binder. And I said, I got my black research binder. And it was like, <laughs> it was like peanut butter and jelly. Everything that she had complimented I what that. I had, vice versa. We had been doing such similar work for a decade. But it was just, wow. we just clicked. Our children clicked. You know, our children became very good friends. We became very good friends. Listen, I have shown up to this woman's house in Atlanta. The first time I went to a coastalist house was 2016 when I had to leave my home because of a hurricane, and I had how many animals? Nine animals with me at Coastal? Nine Four animals. dogs, five cats. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and a four-year-old. And I rolled up to a Coastal. She said, come on up to my house. And I rolled up to her house in this clown car with animals, and she welcomed <laughs> me into her home. So, oh, my we're, goodness. We're, 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 we're friends. Oh, I, I didn't see but, that coming. Yeah, we're friends. Friend. <laughs> yeah, we're friends. Friend. And it's just been... <laughs> We just clicked. She's the sister I never had. I, I didn't. I don't have sisters, Aww. and she's just the sister I never had. And her daughters are the sisters my child doesn't have. And it's just been. We just clicked from from that moment. Just clicked. And that is so, so beautiful. 
you know, like she said, so many things, so many great things have happened since then. And, mm-hmm. and we always say, you know, Stephen and then Stephen's sister Dorcas, who was a close was great great grandmother. Like we, mm-hmm. you know, like they're they're looking out for us. Yeah, yeah definitely. definitely, definitely. And it's just amazing that the two of you were just doing this parallel research and you know mm-hmm. not aware of each other, and then the way you just came together. And one thing about message boards, I mean, ancestry message boards are like such a great tool. Um, so much, mm-hmm. you know, information and, and, you know, to our listeners who, who are listening, you know, that's a, a perfect tool. Uh, I want to definitely plug them because you'll be surprised, like, what you will find there at the message board. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll take a quick break right now, um, and we will be back shortly with more with Kimberly and Akosua after our quick break. Hello, and welcome to Speak On It, history and genealogy conversation with Janice and Shara Connor. We invite you to join us on Thursdays at 8 p.m. for an engaging exchange with us and our special guests as we cover various topics regarding history, genealogy, and your personal family history stories. Welcome back, All right. and thank you so much for your time. Um, we want to go to our next question, and uh, both of you ladies uh, can take a turn at this answering, and that was basically, what did your research reveal about the larger black community buried in Edgerly and surrounding areas? Oh, well, um, one thing that we found, Edgerly, um happened to be on my um, second great-grandmother's um, death certificate. It was actually interest, very interesting how I, because I had never heard of Edgerly before, and on her death certificate, there was something that was written, and then it looked like it was erased, and then it was written over, and it just said Buford. Um, it wasn't mm. until started doing some research, and the word Edgerly, the words Edgerly Plantation popped up, and then it clicked in my head, oh, my goodness, Dorcas death certificate. Let me look at it again. And when I looked at it again, I could see that under the words Buford, the person had had written Edgerly Plantation and erased it. Oh, my goodness. And you can actually see the strokes of the pen, and you can see that it, it originally said Edgerly. So once I realized that on her death certificate um, was, the plantation that she came from, that's when the research started. And then the research really, it expanded because now I'm looking at it and I'm saying, oh, wow, Edgerly is right here. And now I'm looking at the surrounding areas and then there's Red House Plantation. The Talberts had some um, land there. Um, and there were some surrounding plantations that were there. And, um I really did not know much about that area at all. That was something that Kimberly um, knew, knew, you know, was she knew of. She knew that the Marine Corps Air Station was sitting on the property that used to be several plantations in the Buford area. Wow. And so mm. something that she educated, you know, me on and me and my family on. And um, she has done an extreme amount of work um, when it comes to identifying the locations of those plantations, 
where everything is mapped out because she has access to the Marine Corps Air Station, so she can go on that property and kind of really point out, you know, where these places were, you know, um, wow. and respect to each other. And so she can speak, you know, very well on the, you know, surrounding area. Well, when I began researching Stephen Vineyard, like I said, I did not have any formal education or training as to how to conduct genealogical research. It was all trial and error. But one of the first, one of the early mistakes that I made was I focused only on Stephen Vineyard. It mm. took me a while to realize that I needed to take the blinders off, um, that people didn't exist in a vacuum, that especially African Americans at, at the end of the Civil War, that they you know, existed, they live within the context of a community. Um, right. And I needed to start researching the entire community. And that's when I learned about fan research, friend, associates, and neighbors. Right. And once I started researching Stephen's neighbor, so Stephen's wife was named Jane Henry. Um, once I re- started researching Jane Henry, Jane's family, and all of their neighbors, you know, the census records that I was able to identify Stephen and Jane on, 1870, 1880, started looking into their neighbors. It was like the, you know, the dam broke. The dam of information mm-hmm. just broke wide open. And you start finding all these little puzzle pieces to sort of start putting things together because, of course, with African-American genealogical research, you usually don't have a lot of records to work with. There's a, there's a lack of right. information. But once I started focusing on the on the community, I began to realize that I realized that Stephen was was buried where he is because he's actually buried within a community cemetery. It's called Edgerly Cemetery. Um, he just happens to be the, one of the only people that had a tombstone, probably because of ah. the However, there are other people buried around him, and that that property where he's buried, which is currently a military base, was you know in antebellum times. A plantation. It was called Edgerly Plantation. It was owned by a man named Philip Gibbons, and Philip Gibbons enslaved Stephen, Stephen's parents, James and Mary, and most wow. of his siblings. And there mm-hmm. were several adjoining properties, including Red House Plantation, which was owned by the Talbirds, um, Rose Rose Hill. I mean, there were several mm-hmm. plantations, mm-hmm. and I started, you know, piecing this all together. Um, and one thing that I really um, began doing early on also was knocking on doors and, and asking people for help or for information. And I began knocking on the door of um, an office on the military base. It's called uh, Cultural uh, Cultural Resources and Nat- Natural Management. I'm getting the name of the mm-hmm. organization wrong. Basically, um, they're game mm-hmm. wardens on the base, but they also handle <laughs> the, the cultural resources, including the cemeteries. Um, there's mm-hmm. a gentleman there named Gary Herndon who I was at his door on a weekly basis or emailing him on a weekly basis going, hey, what's up with the cemetery behind these barracks? Do you have any information mm. on it? And he actually had some um, archaeological surveys that had been done in the mm. 70s, 80s, and 90s that mentioned the cemetery. And I'm like, I'm going to need to read all of that. So <laughs> I was in his office mm-hmm. constantly reading these reports and and we were able to, Akosu and I, track down some living descendants um, some of, of Stephen's extended family and get more information mm-hmm. about that area. And so, yeah, we realized that there was this huge community of people. It just kind of snowballed. Mm-hmm. You know, you start with one person, 
And then you start right. picking up these loose threads, and it just snowballs. And now we probably, between Akosua and myself, we've probably done the genealogy of most African Americans on this side of the of the county, of Beaufort County. Oh, wow. And, and wow. just so everybody knows, uh, Kimberly is a force to be reckoned with, and she is mm-hmm. so powerful in everything that she does. And this is just a, a real quick uh, insert that when I discovered, um, I think it was actually my first U.S. Color Troop, and I made a post on Our Black Ancestry, the next thing I know, I wake up the next morning, and Kimberly is there with flowers on uh, the grave site and giving me the history of the area. And I'm going, who is this woman? Like, who is this? Where did she come from? Like, she was literally my genealogy angel. And uh, Kimberly, just so you know, I did actually make it to uh, the cemetery a couple years ago. I found out I had a cousin that lived there and connected with her. And our family oh, history right. is extensive. I actually, I actually have an ancestor who was a Freedmen's Bureau teacher that was sent to that area um, to uh, teach the formerly enslaved people. So you are, a, you are an amazing soul. The work that you two ladies are doing is outstanding, and I am forever grateful for that. And I've, I've shared it. I shared it in our previous conversation, and I'll also share it now. You deserve all of the good things that are coming back to you because you give from your heart to help people with genealogy, and I was a recipient of that help, and I'm forever thankful. So God bless you, and keep doing what you're doing, and we'll continue with our interview, but I could not let that, I was not going to let that go by. This woman shows up on Our Black Ancestry videotaping, giving me the history of that entire area, and, you know, when Port Royal, and when the folk, you know, the formerly enslaved Mm -hmm. people were freed, and I just couldn't, I was astounded. So Keep doing what you're doing, and I wish you and Akosawa all the best. Well, you're just you. phenomenal women. Thank you. Thank, thank you so you. much. Thank you. That is awesome. Yeah, we got to give folks their flowers now, you know? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now. Absolutely. Yes. So, Akosawa, you you know, you know, mentioned that you grew up in New York City, a fellow New Yorker, um, mm-hmm. and you obviously have, you know, these family roots in Beaufort, South Carolina. And, you know, when we spoke previously, you talked about, you know, visiting like you were somewhat familiar with with Beaufort um mm-hmm. how did it feel to find out that Kimberly not only found your ancestors had stone but she also lived in Beaufort like what was returning to Beaufort like for you um I had only been to Beaufort growing up probably about two times my mm-hmm. mom and them would go all the time my grandmother had moved from um, Buford, um, when she was 18, moved up to New York, and she had all of her children in New York. And then as we were growing up, um, my grandmother moved to um, Seattle, Washington, and then she would come back during a certain amount of time, and then she would go back down to Buford because her sister still lived in Buford. Um, and so I didn't really visit Buford that much. I had some cousins who would go down there all the time. But when I realized, when I found out that Kim actually lived in Beaufort and that she was there, you know, feet on the ground with this, I found it to be absolutely amazing. And it was a learning experience for me. Um, I, I was going back home because I knew that my grandmother, this is where my grandmother was raised. Yes. You know, she was born, yes. her, she was born in Savannah, Georgia, because her mother 
was pregnant and had her in Savannah, Georgia. But my she was there because my grandma my great grandmother was there because she was working. But her parents lived in Beaufort. She was raised in Beaufort. So my grandmother was raised in Beaufort. And um I knew that my grandmother knew that place. She was a teacher in Beaufort before she even left, you know, when she was eighteen. And so I knew that I was experiencing something extremely special. And one of the most things came that came out of this was that my grandmother never knew where her mother was buried. And Kim um, knows everything about every cemetery, every African-American cemetery. <laughs> yes, in, she in does. <laughs> and so she took us to um, Citizen Cemetery and um, walking around and showing, you know, where she had identified that there were some vineyards and some Finleys. And then my mom and them had already known that some people who my grandmother knew were buried at Citizens at the cemetery. And so, you know, we looked for their headstones. And so one of my grandmother's best friends, Georgia May, was there and all these things. And so all of – and so what happened was, I had gone on Ancestry and found that um, there was a headstone for Ida Finley, and Ida Finley was my grandmother's mother. And oh, wow. that headstone was someone who had, you know, would find a grave. People volunteer their services, and they go to cemeteries and take pictures, and they post them. And so I had found that there was a headstone there. And so when I met Kim, we actually had the opportunity to go to that cemetery and find that headstone. And I absolutely could not believe it because my grandmother, before she passed away, had went to funerals and burials of her own friends in that cemetery and probably walked right past her own mother's headstone. It's not like it's some small little headstone. It's sticking up with her name on it and her, her husband's name on it. And is she, is she like, she's there, she's present. And it was absolutely unbelievable that my grandmother had never experienced, or her sister who lived in Beaufort, had never known where their own mother was, you know, was buried and that she was right there oh. um, in, um, you know, in that cemetery. And so I knew that um, meeting Kim was, in, in, in the order that it was supposed to be in and that my mm-hmm. grandmother was basically dictating the steps that were being taken in mm-hmm. order for our family to learn our history. And so that was one of the most fabulous things that came out of, um, out of this experience, you know, out of this journey. And we just, like I said, we've had many, but that one has been so, so important because all I can think of is what if my grandmother would have seen this, you know, and so because she didn't see it, she sent us to find it and, and, and Mm. it it was found. And so my, my great grandmother, Ida Finley now became, uh, you know, she, she became alive, you know, it's like we found her and now she's attached to this, 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 um, you know, this physical person that I can really say she existed. Um, Wow. Yeah, going to Buford, and so I've been to Buford so many times since then. I mean, back to back to back. Kim and I have done presentations for the library. We have done presentations for the um, the Gullah Festival, the original Gullah Festival, um, yes. because I'm mm-hmm. some of my extended cousins, 
And so, um, you know, Beaufort is, you know, a, a beautiful place, and it is part it is. of my home. It is. It is beautiful. Um, we Hold on one second. Let's see. It was um, another aspect of your friendship is that you both wanted to work for finding your roots, and now you both do. Can you share a little <laughs> bit about how that happened and what the experience has been like? Oh, that um, Martin Luther King weekend in 2015. <laughs> yes, yes. One of the first conversations we had at my kitchen table was talking about our hopes and dreams and sort of like what we wanted to accomplish with all of this research, genealogical research that we were doing. And we both agreed that the ultimate dream, the ultimate goal would be to work for Dr. Gates and work on the show Finding Your Roots. We both are huge fans. And not even, not even quite a year later, we were both hired to do um, a, a side project, a freelance project for Finding Your Roots. Um, do some mm-hmm. do some local geological research oh. for the producers, and one of the producers that we met um, on that project, Megan Shub, became a, a friend and sort of took took a liking to us and um, kept us kept us in the back of her mind. And as years mm-hmm. went on, sometimes if they needed local research in South Carolina or Georgia, they would mm-hmm. contact myself or Kosoa. Um I began. Um, you know, I kept on with my geological research, so did Kosala. And networking is such a huge, hugely important um, thing in this field. You know, it's mm-hmm. your body of work, but also people that you meet. And so exactly. as a result of contacts mm-hmm. that I made through years of, I mean, this has been years. You know, Kosala and I both have been working at this for almost 20 years. Um, wow. So I, I made some contacts and... I ended up being personally recommended. There was an open position on Finding Your Roots' genealogy team in um, January, February 2020, so almost two years ago. And I was personally recommended um, by Cece Moore, who's the DNA expert for the show, oh, yeah. for the position on, yeah, on, uh, for, for Finding Your Roots. And I was she's hired. She's amazing. She is, she's incredible. She's one of the most amazing human beings on this planet. And she's been yeah. an incredible friend and mentor and colleague and supervisor. And so she brought me, she recommended me. I, I was hired. It's been incredible. I genuinely love my work, my colleagues. Um, and Finding Your Roots is a team effort, and, you know, and our team is composed right. of really amazing people. And I knew from day one, I told Akosua, you need to be on this team. And I'm going to run my mouth about you and how amazing you are <laughs> so that by the time you're hired, everyone will know your name. <laughs> everything about you. And so several months ago, there was an opening for an associate genealogist, and I recommended a Kosawa. And I was mm-hmm. beyond thrilled when she was hired and became part of the team. So, yes, we did achieve that goal um, what, that seven years later, years later. But, yeah, so now we do work together, and it's everything you could hope for. Yes. I believe, yes. I believe that. I've been um, following you and your journey and your story. And, you know, I said to Sherrakana, I said, there are these two amazing women that we have to have on our show and on the, come on the podcast. And I'm telling you, I yeah. was, I've been impressed by your journey, I'm just so impressed by your story uh, tonight and everything that you have shared with us. It's, it's uh, encouraging, inspiring, and, you know, for all of our listeners, it is so important to do the work. You never, mm-hmm. ever know where your journey is going to take you. And so we just want to close finally with some parting words from each of you uh, to share with our listeners 
um, your inspiration or encouragement to them? I just would like to say, like you said, um, you know, do the work. Um, the work is important. You know, make us make us a spiritual connection to what it is that you're doing. Ask the ancestors, you know, for what you are looking for. Um, and, um, you know, it's it's from the heart, you know, and. I, I can't thank, you know, the people around me enough. My family has been absolutely, absolutely incredible, you know, when it comes to um, this journey. We have, we even had a, and Kim helped, she was right there. She helped us plan this. We had a wonderful, wonderful family reunion in 2018 oh. right on the Green Court Air Station where we, um, where we, you know, we're a family who we had never met, who had never met each other, connected. And so it is so, so important to me to, to, to share with other people that you need to know where you come from. You need mm-hmm. to make sure that this is something that you um, include in your life because it has actually, it has changed my life. It changes how I think about things in this world. It changes how I function and how I move. It has changed the relationships that I've had with people. And to be honest, right now, I mean, I love my life. You know, things are tough. Oh, and, that's you know, great. And that's tough, beautiful. But I, I, I do. I, I love my life. And so um, that's, where, that, that's where I'm at with that. That's what, that's what finding my roots, you know, has done. Um, for me, you know, it's made me love, you know, this life and love the life of those who have come before me. Girl, you better speak on it because you just preached a mm-hmm. whole message right there. And we can't even, um, I, you know, <laughs> Bernice is our producer, but let me tell you all something. What she just said, we all on this call, on this podcast can attest to it because we had a major announcement before this even um, started before the entire podcast started tonight about our producer actually being connected uh, to a Kosovo. So you cannot yep. tell me, <laughs> you cannot mm-hmm. tell me that it, this is not like a divine uh, calling uh, to do our family history and research. And you never ever know who you end up being connected to. So, um, Kimberly, um, your parting words, please. My parting words, Okosawa spoke so eloquently. I would say, just to echo what she's saying, do the work. You know, the value is there. The journey is beautiful. Even if it's a a disjointed journey where you have to put genealogy down for a little bit because life gets in the way, just keep on. You know, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Keep doing the work. Um, And let it be your refuge. Genealogy for me Mm -hmm. really has become a refuge, no matter how Mm -hmm. crazy the world gets or what things are happening, I can always dive into the research. And, you know, it's 1865 again, it's the end of the Civil War or or two. So let it be your refuge. You don't have to be rich or famous or, or have some type of access to, direct access to NARA. You don't have to live in D.C. We were ordinary people. I'm an ordinary person. You know, I had... Yes budgetary constraints. I have a child. I had limited free time. I mean, I didn't even have Stephen Vineyard's wife's pension file. I didn't have a copy of it because I couldn't afford to order it from NARA. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. that's, you know, so don't think that just because you come from a humble place 
that you can't achieve things. You can't. It's if you have the, mm-hmm. your heart is in it and you have the enthusiasm mm-hmm. and you have the drive, you can make a way. You can make a path through the woods and, you know, and get to the place that you want to be. And, of course, having wonderful people around you. And you'll meet wonderful people on a, on yeah. a journey like a yeah. coast yeah. Yep. So just keep the faith. Keep going, even if it looks, you know, if you're hitting brick wall after brick wall, just keep going. You know, don't stop. Just keep going. And never give up. If there's something that you really want, just keep working towards it. Because like Akosla said, I love my life. I'm almost 45 years old. And I'm, you know, I have my dream job. I love my coworkers. I love everything about waking up every day with my family and then knowing that I get to research and I get to call Akosla now and be like, hey, let's talk about work. You know, let's talk about finding your roots. So mm-hmm. it, it, you know, as you said, eight years ago, we're sitting at my kitchen table, you know, and it was a, it was a different, it's, 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 it's wild, but keep the faith, keep going, <laughs> you know, you can, you can do it. And the other thing is I'm going to plug finding your roots uh, season eight yes. premieres on January 4th, which is like a month away, which is crazy. So Can't season wait. eight premieres on January 4th, all new episodes. The first episode is going to feature actor-director Rebecca Hall with a fascinating story, as well as director Lee Daniels, who also has a very fascinating story. So make sure you tune in on your local PBS station. And the second thing is, is, at the beginning of the podcast, you mentioned talking to your family members, um, doing the genealogy work early. Finding Your Roots Mm -hmm. has a fabulous curriculum called The Seedlings. And it's oh. a genetic and genealogy curriculum, yes, that is free to teachers and educators. It's fyrclassroom.org, and you can access that Finding Your Roots Genetics and Genealogy curriculum. And there's also eight at-home activities that anybody can do, you know, themselves or with their children. And there's things like building your family tree, how to do a family mm-hmm. interview. So check out fyrclassroom.org cool. for that. Yes, it's Beautiful. it's a wonderful resource. Yeah, that mm-hmm. that's thank available. Thank you for sharing that. That's awesome. Yeah, no problem. Thank so you. thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, thank yeah. You. I didn't. I like, wow. Say, can I say one final thing? Because this is really, really important. You know, um, and I did say talk to your ancestors, but it's not just talk. You got to call their names. You know, um, yes. in yes. this podcast, we, we mentioned Stephen Binyard, and we mentioned Dorcas, his sister, um, and we mentioned my grandmother, Mima, and we mentioned Ida Finley, and we mentioned um, um, Hannah and James, you know, and Mary, and I'm adding some names on Mary and Charles because these are the people who are responsible for this journey, and it is extremely, extremely important to make sure that you call the names of your ancestors. Yes. You have to put them out there in the open so that they can that, so that they can know that you're present, you know, and yes. that you're here and that you exist and that you recognize who they are. It's just, I mean, I get chill bumps every single time, and um, I know that my family, you know, it, that's that's something that's important to my family. And so, yes. Um, you know, just like Kim said, you know, dig deep and, and make it this your refuge, you know. And yes, we hear you. That. We hear you. Speak on it, my sister. We hear you. And you'll benefit. It'll be, it'll be wonderful. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, Kimberly Morgan and Akosua Moore, for sharing with us and our listeners. Um, we want to congratulate you on your research yeah. discoveries, your friendship and landing your dream job. I mean, this is like the trifecta of amazing. So 
And we want to, you know, we wish you continued success um, and just happiness in all your future endeavors and projects. Um, for our listeners, you can read more about Akosua Moore's research journey at her blog post entitled Speaking of My People, A Granddaughter's Journey into the Lives of Her Low Country Ancestors. And you can read more about Kimberly Morgan at her blog post entitled Speaking with the Ancestors, The Journey Begins with a Tombstone. Both posts can be found on the International African American Center for Family History webpage, and that's cfh.iaamuseum.org. We thank you for joining us, and we look forward to sharing with you during our next segment of Speak On It. Speak On It is a podcast and is immediately available to listen to at your leisure. Speak On It is sponsored by Bernice Bennett of Research at the National Archives and Beyond Blog Talk Radio. Thank you.